When the wind blows hard and the sky is black, ducks fly together. When the roosters are crowing and the cows are spinning in circles in the pasture, ducks fly together. If you grew up in the 90s like I did, you probably saw the movie Mighty Ducks. The head coach, Gordon Bombay, gives his team a motivational speech and refers to the V formation that ducks fly in. Scientists say the V formation helps to conserve energy by reducing wind resistance. The birds take turns in front, falling back only when they get tired. The other benefit of the V is, is that it's easy to keep track of every bird in the group so no one gets left behind. This week's guest, Paige Decker, a former Yale women's hockey player, talks about how she's leading the pack of her own V formation with the creation of her Invisible Injury blog, where she documents her experience with post-concussion syndrome. I think the Flying V is a perfect representation for this episode and for the podcast because we aim to help conserve emotional and physical energy by sharing how we overcame obstacles, and also because we are all part of a community that can at times be dark and stormy, but we aim to make sure that no one feels alone in their journey. So sit back, relax, and enjoy another fun-filled episode of the Heads and Tails Podcast. This is Kevin Som, you're listening to the Heads and Tails Podcast. We share stories of perseverance and inspiration in sports and in life. This week on Heads and Tails, I'm interviewing uh, Paige Decker. She's a former hockey player at Yale who was forced to retire uh, due to suffering concussions and you know, ultimately post-concussion syndrome. Uh, she studied American studies while she was there, and she's also the creator of the Invisible Injury blog, where she has been educating others about concussions and also her experience with post-concussion syndrome. Uh, so Paige, can you just start by talking about when you started playing hockey and what you love most about the game, and we'll kind of get into your injuries after that? Yeah, yeah, great. First of all, thanks for having me. Really appreciate you having me on and think what you're doing with this podcast is great. Um, but yeah, as far as my, my history with hockey, I started playing around age four or five, uh, just with some learn to, get, learn to skate stuff. And I really got into it from there and it became a pretty big part of my, my life growing up. Um, and as far as the, the game itself, I mean, uh, I think I love hockey because it, it demands a lot out of you uh, in a way that uh, other sports maybe don't just like waking up at four o'clock in the morning to have play a game <laughs> yeah no that's certainly a part of it uh, I had lots of early mornings growing up uh, especially just as a as a kid lots of early ice time slots but uh yeah I don't think it's I think it's a sport that you can't really just pick up and get off uh get by off of with sheer athleticism it's it's really a sport that requires um a lot of skill you got to be a good skater good stick skills yeah, i've seen some good athletes try to skate that have never skated before and they do not look athletic at all so <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so it's it definitely requires a lot um as any sport does but uh for me in particular i i really love being on the ice i love skating there's something about being out there uh there's no other sport quite like it um so that's something i've always enjoyed uh as part of it and something i've loved Cool. Did you play any other sports growing up, and what kind of injuries did you suffer you know, in addition to concussions um, throughout your career? Yeah, so I played a lot of sports growing up. Um, I was a really sporty kid. I In high school, I played three sports, so I've also played field hockey and lacrosse and had a couple other injuries, um, you know, some broken arms, broken wrists, uh, broken jaw. Broken uh, jaw? How'd that happen? Yeah, I got a field hockey ball to the face. That is a dangerous sport. I hear like nothing but like horror stories about the injuries from field hockey. 
Yeah, yeah, it is dangerous in a lot of ways. The ball is very hard, and when it hits you in the face, it hurts. So. I think it doesn't feel too good, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But So a few minor injuries, but really nothing kind of that compares for me to the concussion I suffered my senior year at Yale. All right, yeah, so can you talk about you know, maybe the recruitment process and why you chose to go to Yale and, you know, talk about your career at Yale and then talk about, you know, your concussions and what you've had to deal with, you know, since those concussions. Yeah. So as far as choosing to go to Yale, I mean, I knew that I always wanted to go to a school uh, that was a great academic institution that would also allow me to excel as a hockey player. And I feel so, like everyone says that, but when you say Yale, it's like, yeah, you, you really did choose a, a pretty smart school there. <laughs> yeah, no, it worked out pretty well. I was really, you know, happy to, and excited to be able to go there um, and really had a great experience there. Um, love this, you know, can't speak highly enough of Yale. And I, I mean, the hockey program had a great, great time there as well as a division one athlete, learned a lot, uh, grew a lot and, uh, would have liked to have finished out my senior year, um, you know, without being hurt. But unfortunately I, I suffered a, you know, pretty big concussion. My, I guess the November of 2013. So that was kind of a, a month or two into the start of my senior year season at Yale. Um, what was the mechanism of injury for that concussion? Uh, like how did I get hurt? Yeah. I just try to sound smarter than I really am. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so I, I, we were playing, I guess it was the end, end of the period, end of the game, uh, third period, about five minutes left. We were playing a really strong team and, um, we were b breaking the puck out of the defensive zone, just kind of doing our uh, neutral zone transition. And I um, was, you know, cut across the ice, about to receive a pass, and pretty much got blindsided from behind. So I've said this before, and I really have never in my career been so physically and mentally unprepared for impact. It was uh, very much, you know, blindsided. So really caught me off guard. It was a very forceful hit, uh, very much... Uh, kind of like a whiplash type hit. The force of the hit, I think, is what actually caused the concussion. For obviously, to have my brain move within my skull at a, at a high velocity. Um, and so from there, it was, you know, luckily I was close to my bench, so I kind of just got off, went to the bench, was a little shaken up naturally, and um, ended up finishing the game. There was only about five minutes left, so I had one or two shifts left and was obviously pretty dazed, pretty out of it. My vision was really messed up, and... Um, I realized kind of after getting off the ice that something, uh, pretty bad had happened. Right. Um, but of course I think, you know, my initial mentality was, oh, I'll be fine. Just, you know, get some rest tonight, drink some water, sleep it off and, um, you know, be ready to go. Cause we had a neck, we had a game the next day. Um, and so I, you know, unfortunately didn't feel any better uh, as the next couple of days went on, I did sort of make the decision to play with symptoms, which is something I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about. Right. But And you never told anyone that you were experiencing these symptoms, like an athletic trainer. Was there an athletic trainer at your game and yeah. did they see the hit and they check you out or what, what was the deal with that? Yeah. So there was an athletic trainer at the game and he, you know, he kind of asked how I was doing, um, when I got off the ice and I, you know, basically played it played it down, told him I was fine, told him it wasn't a big deal and, um, you know, basically hid my, my symptoms, which 
happens too often and i'm a I did the same exact thing. So right, yeah. yeah, and it's it's such a big problem in sports right now. Just kind of this suck it up culture when it comes to concussions. Um, it's probably the only injury that you can't play through. Um, so or that you shouldn't play through, but it's the only injury that you could really hide because no one knows, you know, unless you're unconscious that yeah um, that you exactly. have something going on in there. Yeah, so it makes it makes it difficult, but, um, I'm definitely a big advocate for speaking up now because, you know, playing through playing with symptoms certainly wasn't the best decision. And I, I definitely feel fortunate that I didn't get, you know, take an equally devastating hit, uh, while I was playing, because now that I understand the risks of playing with a concussion, um, I actually feel, even though it's been a two year long journey with this injury, I feel lucky that it, it wasn't worse like mine, like with second impact syndrome. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. Your, your own story of recovery from that. And, um, it's scary stuff for sure. Um, so what kind of, you know, symptoms were you experiencing like throughout while you were playing, you know, with this concussion, um, that maybe other people, other athletes who could listen to this at some point in time say like, all right, I had this syndrome. Because w- with my injury, I was like, oh, I just have a headache. You know, I remember everything from the game. I'm not nauseous or really anything else. I, you know, so I thought I was okay. So I kind of talked myself out of it. So what, yeah. what were you experiencing um, that might be, you know, a signal to others to kind of keep an eye out for if, if they do take a big hit? Yeah, I mean, probably the most obvious symptom for me was just like my head felt like it was 20 pounds heavier than it should have been. It just felt like a rock, um, was pounding lots of kind of inward pressure and just kind of filled with clutter. It was unlike any sort of headache I'd ever felt before. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Very different. And I mean, my vision, that was kind of an obvious cue for me when my vision was really blurry and fuzzy. Um, I hadn't experienced that before as well. And that was another indicator that something was a little off. And did this scare you when all this was going on or you kind of just, it definitely was scary, but I, I had you know, my thought process was, okay, this is happening, but I'll, I'll recover quickly. Like I never would have thought, um, that, that the recovery would have spanned more than two years. Right. Uh, in fact, my doctors, when I did eventually end up seeing a doctor, um, they were like, oh yeah, like this is your first real concussion. Um, you should be good to go in a couple of weeks. Like, don't worry about it. Go on cognitive rest, kind of do the, the standard protocol. And, um, it, you know, I did everything they asked and I just wasn't getting better. Um, and in fact, over time only got worse. So, uh, it's been a tough road and definitely didn't expect that to happen, uh, that day. Right. You kind of touched on this before about kind of the culture of toughness in hockey. So can you kind of explain that culture? I know like fighting is, you know, common in hockey and people like hockey for that reason because they have fighting um so i i I played hockey when i was younger um from when i was like six to probably 11 or 12 years old and but at that point like kids don't really fight like that it's not like that aggressive of a game at that point so i never really got to experience you know the culture of toughness in that sport so can you kind of talk about what coaches say to you or what parents say to you or kind of you know, and even talk about like Sidney Crosby and, you know, you, you see what he's gone through um, just to kind of talk about what goes on in, in the hockey world. 
Yeah, well, I think with any any sport, you have to, I mean, playing through injury just kind of comes with the territory. Um, and you have to have a certain level of toughness to, you to know, succeed, yeah, to succeed, to yeah. compete at the highest levels and to just kind of play your sport and do your job. And so I, I think I've always tried to be, be tough, right? Like play through the pain. Um, I, before I got hurt that day, I don't think I've missed a practice or a game at Yale, um, before then. So I, I definitely wasn't one to sit out. Um, you know, as a lot of my teammates were as well, that was just kind of the mentality. Um, do you think because you were a senior on the team that that had an impact on why you didn't say anything? Yeah, that, that played into it. I think there were a lot of different reasons. Um, just like not wanting to let my team down, right. um, being my senior year, not wanting to, to sit out, uh, all these different factors that kind of came into play. And, and of course, not really realizing the gravity of what I was messing around with right. um, and what I was putting at risk. Um, I would have, <laughs> yeah, it just, uh, I, I just didn't realize the gravity of it. And um, so that played in just kind of that, that lack of knowledge. Um, but really, yeah, I mean, I think the, there's always kind of my whole life I've been surrounded by this sort of suck it up culture. Um, but that's a lot of that's pressure I've put on myself, right. Um, something that's kind of a self inflicted, um, thing, which I know a lot of athletes, um, you know, have as well. It's, it's a pretty common thing and you see it all the time. Uh, but I guess the biggest thing I would love love for people to understand is that, um, it, it really can't, shouldn't, and, and can't apply in the context of brain injuries. That's really the one injury, um, that you can't mess around with. And I think, I think with time and added education, people are starting to catch on to that. I mean, I thought it was great seeing someone like Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. Uh, I love that too. Yeah. When he suffered a concussion, it was like, okay, took himself I, out. Yeah. Take yourself out. That's the one injury I'm not going to mess with. And I think that's such a really good example across the board for all athletes that that's really the approach you should take. Especially because he's considered, you know, like he's always thought of being a really tough player. And yeah, even when he's hurt, he's he's playing. But when it comes to his brain, he sat out. So I I love that, too. Yeah. Um, I I know that you, you mentioned uh, like in terms of not wanting to let people down. I hear that all the time and I'm the same way. It's like. But how do you combat that is what I always ask. And I ask myself that. And, you know, if I put myself back in my 17-year-old shoes and I had to make that decision again of whether I play or not, even though I know that I almost died from making the decision I did make, I think I would still make the same decision because I'd be, you know, like exactly afraid to let my coaches down, afraid to let my teammates down and myself. Like I wanted to win and I wanted to be the guy. So. Do you, I mean, you said this before, like education and seeing guys like Ben Roethlisberger take them them out. Like, I don't know how else it's ever going to change, I guess. Yeah, no, I guess the, the big thing I would say is is trying to get people to understand um, how, how important your health is. I mean, for me, it was something I absolutely took for granted um, my entire life. I had a couple of those minor injuries that I mentioned before, but nothing so severe that it, it impacted my life in such a drastic way. And now I feel like I have such a crazy perspective because, I mean, when you don't have good health, when you're not healthy, when you're hurt, suffering from an injury of this nature, it you can't do anything. I mean, I, for so many months, have spent my life in my bed because I don't feel well enough to do anything else. 
And it's, it's devastating. I mean, there's been parts of this journey that have been really devastating and I'd give anything just to like not have a headache, right. Or to be able to do the things I used to do. I haven't been able to exercise in over two years. And that's really my big goal is to be able to do that again. And I'm sure. Yeah. You're probably going nuts. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm getting there. I'll get there. But, um, yeah, I just, I think through educating people that you don't want to mess with this. And that's part of why I started writing about my own experience uh, with my blog, because I think kind of personalizing this struggle and verbalizing it can help people to see who maybe haven't experienced it themselves that, Hey, this is pretty serious. Serious, Yeah. I don't want to go through the same stuff that, um, she went through. Awesome. Well, I think you could, or can you talk about, you know, what your recovery has been like and, you know, what was it like seeing your teammates play while you couldn't play? I'm sure that, you know, didn't feel too good. And I know I experienced that too. When I came back to watch my team play, I would have gave anything to be out on that field again. Um, so you can, can you talk about that? And then, you know, from after graduating from Yale, you're still suffering from these symptoms. So what treatments have you, you know, tr- sought out and what worked, what didn't work um, just for people who might be in a similar situation as you the, to kind of get some some help? Yeah, well, as far as watching my, my team play uh, while I was hurt, that was obviously very hard. I really um, wanted to be able to finish out my collegiate hockey career the right way. Um, I had always envisioned finishing it uh, healthy and competing. And right. You felt like it was taken from you because that's exactly how I felt. Yeah, I definitely feel like it was taken from me. I feel like I had a lot more to give, um, and I simply just didn't get the chance to to give it. And that, that I think, that hurts um, for sure. So it, it was tough kind of coming you know, accepting that this is the way I was going to go out. And, um, but once, once I kind of accepted that, obviously the priority, um, was getting healthy, like, okay, I can't finish hockey, but I still have a life to live and a life to get back to. And, um, so that definitely was, was still the main focus. And as far as that goes, that's been a, a really tough, tough road for me because um, I've seen a lot of doctors. I've been all over the place, um, you know, traveling to see different doctors, get different perspectives and treatments. And I felt really misguided. Um, unfortunately, uh, I was really uh, misguided. From what sources? Well, just a lot of doctors um, had it wrong with with what was going on with me. I mean, a lot of them said, oh, you should be fine by now. Like, it's probably all in your head. Like, this is your anxiety coming into play. Some doctors diagnosed me with things that I didn't have and told me, you know, their treatment was what was going to help me when it did nothing. Um, Lots of different things, and I was kind of I've I've used this term as well. I feel like I felt like I was a chicken running around with its head cut off because I was just beyond desperate to get some help and to get some answers and just kind of get put on a path um, to heal. I I you know I didn't need to be cured like tomorrow. Um, I just wanted to get my questions answered to figure out what was going on and then to treat it appropriately and. Um, I, I finally found that thankfully, but it did take, um, a year and a half to even find a doctor who was able to, you know, validate what was going on with me and, and correctly diagnose it. So that's been tough. Yeah. I, I feel bad. Cause like you got, I had an injury that almost killed me, but I really had like no post concussion like symptoms since then. Really? But you, you guys like, you didn't have the near death 
like injury, but you, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't wish that upon anyone. You know, I, I feel bad for you guys. <laughs> um, I really do. Uh, so what have been some of like the positive outlets that you've kind of reached out to that have helped you? I know I saw your story on the knockout project and I actually interviewed Jay yesterday, um, about his story. So what other, you know, what things are out there, um, for, for other people who are suffering from post-concussion syndrome? Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, first and foremost, my family and friends have obviously been, uh, the big kind of supporters for me. And, um, that's been huge just having that support kind of throughout this journey because it's been, it's been a really tough road. And, um, I, I really, you know, wouldn't be able to have gotten through this without them. Um, but then from there, I, I've, it's been great for me after, since starting this blog about my experience, I've connected with a lot of different people that I wouldn't have otherwise. Um, you know, Jay being one of them has been great talking with him and, and connecting with you as well. And, and different people, you know, in this kind of brain injury space who right. are also struggling or who understand the struggle. And, um, it's been nice to kind of connect with that community because before starting my blog, I really hadn't, um, ventured in, you know, reached out over the internet or ventured into that sphere before. So, um, that's been good. There's a lot out there, um, in terms of support and I would definitely encourage people to seek it out and to speak with people that understand the struggle. Um, because you know, your family and friends are always going to be supportive of you, but to a certain extent, I think it's hard for people who have never been through this to right. truly understand. They don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's good to kind of to get a mix of both of speaking with people um, that love you and care for you. And then, of course, kind of extending beyond that and, and speaking with people that understand this struggle. Right. Can you talk about some of like the people who have reached out to you who have been struggling and can kind of and who, you know, could empathize with your story and they're going through a similar thing. And I know I, for, I keep forgetting the name The your story was on the concussion it used to be the Sports Legacy Institute. Now they're the Concussion. Uh, yeah, the what Concussion Legacy Foundation. Yeah, they changed the name. A little rebranding, I guess. But yeah. Um, so, like, have people reached out to you, like, saying, like, "Oh, thanks so much for you know sharing your story," or like, what has been like the most eye-opening experience that you've had since you've been putting your story out there, and maybe people have been reaching out to you. Yeah, well, there's definitely been a mix. I mean, I've. I've heard from a lot of different people and connected with different people. And, um, it's, it's been nice just to tell them about my experience and then put them in the right direction, um, or kind of offer some advice to them on, you know, maybe try this doctor or try that doctor or this treatment. Um, and then as well, on kind of the opposite side of that, hearing from others about what worked for them. Uh, that's been really great for me. I actually recently connected with one kid who had has has a really similar story as me, um, you know, two, three years out and, um, you know, saw a lot of the same doctors that I saw, was told a lot of the same things, you know, tried a treatment that really set him back, which also happened to me with some injections. Can you talk about that after this? Uh, yeah, this yeah, definitely. And um, anyway, I mean, he found some doctors out in the Toronto area that were really able to help him and um, I ended up making the decision to go out there as well, and I went out there uh, last last week, actually, and I'm planning on going out next week again because it's been so great for me in terms of getting me, um, you know, helping me to get back to 100%. So that's probably been um, the, the 
best one for me in terms of connecting with someone that that's been able to help put me in the right direction because initially when starting this blog I I was expecting to to do it to try and help others and um, didn't expect that connecting with someone would would also kind of in turn help me right, yeah. um, get get the right help. So that's been really awesome. So on what that. doctors are these? If this has been helping you, if you maybe you could share uh, what kind of doctors they are. Yeah. So initially, the, the doctors that got me on the right track back in May, there's there a program called Neurospot, Neurospot, which is a comprehensive team based model, um, and kind of the the neck doctor, the the physical medicine and rehabilitation doctor out there, kind of diagnosed um, kind of the neck injury that's associated with my concussion and was continuing to perpetuate concussion like symptoms and. So he kind of got me on the right track, and but I had felt kind of lately I'd hit a bit of a plateau with my recovery, and um, that's when I decided to go out to the Toronto area, and basically this program, it's kind of a group of physical therapists, um, and this, the guy at the forefront of it, is his name is Terry Moore, and basically they have a really comprehensive uh, stretching program, believe it or not. I mean, it sounds really simple, but it's crazy that something as simple as stretching can um, make such a tremendous difference for uh, concussion patients because the general idea is that um, when you have muscle restriction kind of at the base of your skull and your neck, um, that obviously will restrict the nerves that are kind of feeding in and out of that area, and that can cause the headaches, the pain, the dizziness, different things like that. Um, But the really interesting part of it as well is that it can also restrict um, the two big arteries that come out of your spine and go head up into your brain, um, which restricts blood flow. That does not sound like a good thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And what what they sort of argue is that when that blood flow is restricted in that way, um, it prevents you from fully healing from your concussion. And so that can kind of continue to prolong the cognitive issues that many people suffer from, like memory issues, concentration, fogginess, some of the really, um, you know, difficult uh, concussion symptoms that people live with for many months and even years after suffering a concussion. And um, they've had a really tremendous success with um, kind of identifying the restrictions in the neck and the base of the skull that are um, potentially contributing to some of these symptoms. And and then from there, treating it. And, you know, they have a really kind of targeted and pinpoint, pinpointed stretching program and um, a machine, a, a stim-like machine that kind of helps to complement the stretching because it helps um, loosen your muscles in a way that makes the stretching more effective and, and allows you to build up endurance in your muscles faster. Um, and so, you know, as I've gotten on this program, it's it's been incredible. I mean, for the first time in over two years, I've had moments where I don't have a headache, which... Um, I mean, at this point, they're just moments. They're kind of brief, but um, it's pretty awesome. It feels amazing. And I'm, you know, just really excited to continue along this program and um, hopefully get to 100%. So it's it's really great. I would definitely recommend it to anybody who has post-concussion syndrome, but particularly, you know, people who, who feel that there's sort of a, a neck component to, to it, right, their injury. Right. And like a lot of people do complain of neck pain or neck tightness kind of alongside these symptoms and, and a place uh, like this could definitely help them. Awesome. Uh, can we backtrack to the injection that you said that you got that really didn't help and you said actually set you back even further? Yeah. So, so people can avoid that? <laughs> Yeah. So I had started a job um, October of 2014. I had some doctors that told me, you know, I would be fine and that like my job wouldn't make me worse. And 
my job ended up making me a lot worse to the point that my headaches were so bad I couldn't really get out of bed. And so when I stopped working, I kind of started seeking out different alternative treatments. And um, I tried a treatment called prolotherapy, um, which is basically an injection treatment where they inject a solution of usually it's like dextrose, which is sugar, and um, some sort of numbing solution such as Novocaine or lidocaine. And um, the idea is that they inject it into the facet joints or the, any joint in your body to um, cause micro injury, which then in turn stimulates your immune system to basically tell your body to go to that source Fix and, it. <laughs> and heal itself. Yeah. Um, so it's a it's an interesting concept, but um, pretty dangerous I've found. And I tried it um, with some doctors out in Vancouver, and it actually took my headache away instantaneously. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing! Like, what is this magic? Um, and so I was really pumped about it. And then when I returned home, uh, my symptoms came back. And so you know, by their direction, they told me, okay, find it. A local practitioner that can administer this treatment for you. Um, and so I did that. I found a guy not far from my house. And um, basically, that's kind of where it went wrong for me. This guy wasn't, you know, really qualified to be doing what he was doing. And he convinced me instead of doing one or two injections, um, he convinced me to do 14 injections in my neck, kind of down the left and right side. It's a lot more than one or two. Yeah, it was a lot more. And he he basically prom he was like, yeah, I promise you it won't make you worse. At the very least, it just won't do anything. So like, you're going to be fine. Um, and at that point I was really desperate. Um, I was desperate and I, and I said this in my blog and like desperation and, and being misguided are really a terrible combination. Yeah, really bad combo. Um, so for me, it was obviously way too much for my body to handle. Um, and my body just kind of freaked out uh, is kind of the best way to put it. Um, my muscles kind of all seized up and it basically kind of triggered a, a nervous system disorder in some ways. It's kind of the way I term it in my blog is it's a form of uh, reflex sympathetic dystrophy, which is basically a, a syndrome that can happen where um, your sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight or flight, the fight or flight part of your nervous system just responds abnormally or excessively to trauma or insult to the body. And um, so basically my body freaked out. I started having, you know, my, my neck swelled up, my shoulders swelled up. I started having the worst um, shoulder and arm pain that I can possibly describe, like nerve pain. Um, I started involuntarily twitching. I started having noise sensitivity, which I didn't have before. Um, I, I started, you know, the left side of my body lost part of its sensation. And so my, my left side of my face drooped. I had like Bell's palsy for a little while. Oh my God. Um, I couldn't for like a few days, couldn't taste. Um, I couldn't taste anything on the left side of my mouth. Um, I had muscle spasms, uh, pain in my feet and legs and pain pretty much everywhere and started, my headaches were made a lot worse. And, um, just like, Every kind of crazy bodily symptom you can imagine happened to me. Um, and unfortunately, I'm still dealing with the effects of that. I've gotten a lot better, um, but still dealing with uh, a lot of those symptoms that I described. Um, and it's it was incredibly traumatic. I mean, that was definitely um, the, most, the single most traumatic experience in my life. And... It was really scary, too, because a lot of doctors also didn't really know what to think of it. 
um, they were just like, oh, yeah, this is pretty bad. Like, let's throw some medication at the problem. Let's treat it that way. And um, so kind of, again, I felt really lost and really broken. I felt like I had tried so hard um, to get better from my concussion. And um, I ended up, you know, in trying to accomplish that, I ended up getting much, much worse. And so as a result, I think, you know, naturally I became pretty depressed and um, pretty lost. And that was, you know, definitely the lowest point in my life. And um, I eventually kind of worked my way out of it, which started once I finally found some doctors out in Michigan that knew what they were doing for a change. And so that was really great for me to kind of slowly begin to turn things around. That and, there's hope and light yeah, at the end I mean, of the tunnel oh, kind so of thing. It's crazy. I mean, you can probably see in the video I've got, I hang this picture um, this painting that says hope, um, on the right above my closet. So I see it every day when I wake up because, um, I think this concept of hope is really important when you're struggling with an injury like this. Um, and for a long time, I, I lost that. And when you lose that, it's, it's really not good, um, for your mental health. Um, and so I'm really, really grateful that, you know, I found some doctors that allowed me to have renewed hope and have a renewed drive to recover. Um, and so it's been a, a long road, but um, they gave me that path, which is really all I was looking for was a path, um, you know, a rehab program for lack of a better phrase. And I've been, you know, I work at it every day and um, that's my goal is to be a hundred percent again, to be able to exercise, to, you know, be able to run with my dog again. That's really kind of my big goal. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it was a traumatic experience. I definitely would not recommend it. Um, don't get injections <laughs> of any sort. It's not good. Uh, it's dangerous. But there's right. definitely more effective treatments out there. All right. I appreciate the, the warning. Um, <laughs> what, what what to you is the essence of hope? I know you, you kind of talked about that just now. But, like, what's your definition of hope? Because hope to some person might be like, like I almost think like wishing, you know, or is it like thinking positive or just like believing? Yeah, no. So I think just kind of feeling and believing that, that you have better days ahead of you. Um, that's kind of the way I look at it. Um, I, I definitely positivity feeds into that and, um, generally just kind of believing, believing in yourself. Like I always kind of tell, remind myself, like I believe in my body's ability to heal and to come back from this. Um, even though it was so broken at right. a, a lot of points in this, you know, this journey I, to the point where I couldn't do anything. I literally could not get out of bed. Um, but so how did you stay positive during that, that low point that you were talking about? Well, during the low point, I really wasn't very positive at because all, right. I was so broken. And so, uh, I just, it felt like everything I had tried didn't work and I only got, you know, was getting worse. But then as soon as, um, as soon as I found some doctors that could help me, um, or that I believed could help me, um, it, once I got that, then kind of that, that hope and that positivity slowly started to come back. Right. Which I definitely think a big part of who I am. Like I, I really believe in, in the power of positivity and, and all that good stuff. And, um, so once I got on the right track, I really kind of had to access those, those pretty important and valuable life skills, um, to get through this and definitely positivity came into that. And, 
Um, so now I'm at the point where you just kind of build off of it. You build off of that momentum. And, um, I definitely feel stronger. Uh, I, and I've grown a lot more, I've grown more in the last two years than I have in my whole life. Um, and I definitely feel like a stronger and better person from this experience and a more compassionate person. Um, and so that, so that's kind of a silver lining that, uh, you can, you can gain a lot out of you know, persevering through right. struggle like this and a bad situation. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's, that's, you know, great, a great message for the audience. Um, what, what do you think about fighting in hockey? What, what role do you think it plays in the sport? And do you think it's essential? Um, <laughs> of course, hockey? I think it's pretty ridiculous, especially with, um, you know, in this day and age with concussions being such a hot topic and um, such an issue in sports, there's really absolutely no need for height, uh, fighting. I mean, it's purely for uh, spectator entertainment, and unfortunately it's at the cost of the well-being of the players. Right. Um, there's just there's no need for it. Um, I think it takes away from the integrity of the, the sport. And I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if with, within a decade or two, that's, um, you know, fighting is become, is no longer a thing because right. just with all the talk there, there's been about concussions, why would you continue to condone, uh, something like that? Um, when, when it's not necessary, all it does is take away from the game. Um, so I definitely don't think it's necessary. I don't think it should be a part of the sport. I mean, you only see it. It's only actually a, allowed at the you know professional level for men um but is there fighting in women's hockey no no um, no there isn't which is a good thing and it's it's just not not necessary but um yeah so i would love to see you know meaningful strides be being taken um to address that all right yeah like i always you know kind of compare hockey and football in that like yeah, there's contact in hockey, but that's like not the point of the sport. And you have this, you know, fighting element to the game where, you know, guys are getting punched in the face, and obviously getting punched in the face is probably a good way to get a concussion. But the problem with football is like the point of the game is to hit people. So like you can't change that ever. But with hockey, you can change you could take fighting out of hockey and it's not gonna change the game. But if you took hitting at a football, it would definitely change the game. So I think that's kind of the conundrum, uh, you know, for those two sports. But I just wanted to hear your take on that. And then I also wanted to know what you thought about um, checking and is is there an age where you think that there shouldn't be allowed checking? Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, with checking, I mean, as far as in the women's game, Technically, there's no body checking that's allowed. It obviously still happens. Um, it's still a physical game on the women's side of things. Um, so, what's a non-body check? Um, well, I mean, if you if you take a, a checking, if if you check, you usually will will take a penalty. Um, so, just like a two-minute penalty for body checking. But um, besides that, I mean, the the game is still physical, uh, I guess. But if there's kind of a a very obvious body check that right. happens in the game. So when you got hurt, someone intentionally like hit you from behind or was it an accident or how? Oh no, it was definitely intentional. Um, the whistle was blown and the girl that hit me was called for a penalty. She was called for two minutes for interference. Um, in hindsight, I think it probably should have, you know, been a, a more significant, um, infraction, 
But well, considering that you're two years out and you're still yeah. uh, suffering the effects it, of that, and she had two minutes for two years, um, isn't a very fair trade off. So I don't know. I mean, I guess when you look at back at it on video, it, it looks bad, but it doesn't look jaw dropping, I guess. Um, and I guess a lot of times that can happen. Some of the hits that, um, don't always seem like the worst hits can really end up causing a lot of damage, uh, which I guess is just a part of sports. Um, but as far as checking in, in the men's game, I mean, I don't think you need to see it um, in, at the youth level. Um, I'm not sure what the age is actually that where they begin to pick up checking uh, on, the, on the boys' side, um, but certainly no younger than the high school level. I, I think it you know, should not be there. It might not be. I'd have to check on that rule, but... Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely just adds kind of more physicality to the game, and it's part of the game, so I I wouldn't necessarily advocate for no checking um, when you get kind of to, like, the professional level and things like that. Right. Um, but certainly at the youth level, I don't think it's it's necessary. All right, similar to football, or what yeah. people are saying about football, at least. Um, so what's your, your biggest regret, and do you have any worries, you know, for your health in the future? I know, like... I, for myself, I know my head has been through a lot, and not only did I have like the severe traumatic brain injury with the bleed and the swelling, but yeah. I've also had at least twenty concussions from like that I can remember. At the time, I didn't think it was anything, but when I, you know, became more informed about what concussions are, I'm like, yeah, those were definitely concussions. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, well, biggest regret, I mean, just obviously i think it would be choosing to get play with a concussion yeah well yeah play with a concussion definitely is a big regret um i i played for two days with a concussion that was something i i look back on and wish i didn't do and then as far as the recovery goes i wish i didn't get those injections but i try not to hold you know be too hard on myself with that because i was pretty misguided um you yeah, know. I mean, yeah in hindsight yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah, but um, as far as thinking to the future, I, I mean, obviously for a long time, probably my biggest worry was, um, am I going to get better? Um, am I going to have to live with this the rest of my life? Am I ever going to have a normal life? Am I ever going to be able to exercise again? Um, but now I definitely, you know, since I've been getting uh, some of this treatment lately that's been helping me a lot, I definitely have started to see the light at the end of the tunnel. The hope. Um, yep. Yeah, which is a really good feeling. And I'm super excited about the future and, um, you know, being able to be 100% healthy again and um, do everything I used to do and and um, really just kind of move forward and put this behind me and um, you know, take the life lessons that it taught me with me, but uh, kind of leave the struggle behind. Um, so, uh, yeah, that would probably no no major worries at this point because I do at this point believe I'll I'll get there. Uh, but for a long time, that was definitely in question. Yeah, I was there at one point too. Definitely. Um, all right. So, when when did you start the Invisible Injury blog, and why did you start? Like, what was the catalyst for that? And also. Um, what, like, what's the, the mission of the, the blog and what, what are your goals for the blog in the future? Yeah. So I, I think I launched it in, uh, the middle of September of 2015. So a few months ago and it, 
it was kind of something I realized over the summer, like once I started to finally get on the right track and, and get the help I needed. Um, I got to thinking that, you know, I've learned a lot throughout this experience. This has been a hard experience. And quite frankly, it didn't have to be this hard, um, you know, if I got the help I needed on day one. And um, so I started to realize I had a lot that I could say, a lot I could write about, um, and that I could share my story um, to I guess the main goal is to be a resource for others, uh, to kind of help people know that they're not alone, that um, there there is help out there. There are doctors that can help you and treatments that are effective. Um, and so that's really kind of the, the big goal for me is just to get my story out there and share my experience and um, help others and then kind of uh, more from a larger standpoint, I, I'd like to facilitate a little bit of change just in terms of, um, particularly with regards to treatment, um, just uh, having better access to care for, for the right types of treatment when it comes to, you know, recovering from these injuries. There's definitely no one size fits all uh, when it comes to concussions. And there's a lot of different doctors um, and treatments that can help depending on the symptoms and the situation. And, um, I would just love to see better systems uh, be in place to get people the proper care that they need uh, to get help because, you know, like I said, it took me a year and a half to get, get the proper help. Um, and unfortunately, it was at the cost of my health and many unfortunate setbacks along the way. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy. Um, so I, I definitely love to see, uh, improvements in that area and hopefully kind of use my story to highlight why that's so important for sure. Right. Awesome. Um, what kind of feedback have you been getting from, you know, maybe comments on your, your blog posts or your friends or, you know, yeah, no, it's been it's been so good. I mean, better than I expected. Um, just just having so many different people reach out, like you know, different friends, but also people that I didn't know before this, um, like myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you and and people just kind of reaching out and um, giving really positive feedback about this, and um, it's been really nice just to connect with different people and. Um, kind of feel validated in, in doing this because I, I was a little nervous to kind of share my story and, and be vulnerable in the way that I have been with my writing. Um, so it's nice to get some of that positive feedback and, and feel like I made the right decision to uh, put myself out there in this way and, and, and write about my story and some of the things I've learned. Awesome. Um, what, what would you say? We're, we're coming up on time here. So what would you say to someone who's struggling with with post-concussion syndrome? Don't give up. Don't give up. Back like, to the hope thing. Yeah, definitely don't give up. There, um, There is help out there, and it's just a matter of, of finding it and getting on the right track, and um, you can recover from this uh, when, when kind of the right tools are put in front of you to do so. Um, so, yeah, hang in there. There's help out there, and uh, you can always – Hit me up if if you're not. <laughs> where can people find you? Um, where can they find me? Yeah, like Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. Invisible Injury uh, blog, you know, website. Yeah, I'm on all the social media platforms for sure. And then my blog is uh, theinvisibleinjury.net. So I've got information up there um, if you want to check it out. 
I'll put that in the show notes so everyone can go over to headsandtails.org um, backslash whatever episode it's going to be. I'll, I'll obviously put that in my post. Um, and then what would you say to a mom who um, wouldn't let her daughter play hockey because she read your, your blog? <laughs> um, I know I didn't give you these questions ahead of time. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I think if, if she feels... You know, I think that her daughter's safety is the number one priority. And if she feels that um, there's too much risk uh, in playing a sport like hockey, then and I'd be okay with that. I think it's ultimately up to the the parents and the the player in question um, because health is the number one priority. There's no question. I think there's um, a lot you can get out of a sport like hockey. I really have no regrets about playing it. And I've learned so many valuable life lessons playing that sport and other sports. Um, so they're, you know, it, but at the end of the day, it's health is number one. And if they aren't comfortable with it, then I would support that. That's interesting. I'm, I'm a little surprised by your answer, but I like it because it's different than what I what I would have thought. And I think especially because it's what you have gone through over the last two years that you're right, like health, is, you know, should be the priority. You know, you want to you don't want others to feel the way that you feel. So I, I like that answer. It's good. Um, let's finish with what your New Year's resolution is going to be. Um, well, I would say just to, to get healthy is, is my big goal, uh, for the new year. I want my goal. My big goal is to be able to go for a run with my dog. So, um, it's as far as a resolution, it would definitely just be kind of in the form of a goal of attaining this kind of this big pinnacle of mine of, of being able to do, uh, do that. Cause that's something that I think about every day and it's what, what gets me through the hard days and gets me excited on the good days. Um, and so I'm really pushing for that and hoping that I, that can be in my 2016. Awesome. Well, I hope that for you. And, um, also what do you, what's the first step to, to attain that goal? Do you think, is it to continue the the stretching program that you've been working on that, that seems to be helpful or, you know, they always say like when you're setting a goal for yourself, you know, you got to you know, first write it down and then think about the steps that you need to take to achieve that goal. So what what are going to be the steps that you're going to take to, you know, to try to get back into exercising again? Yeah, definitely just sticking to the program that I'm on right now. I mean, at this point, I, I believe it or not, I probably stretch three to four hours a day um, just to. Keep... I'd say that's a good start. Yeah. So I'm, I've been pretty disciplined with it. And I mean, when you find something that makes you feel a little better, you do it all day if you if you could. Right. So that so I've you know been keeping up with that and then just being as healthy as possible um, nutritionally drinking lots of water, getting enough sleep and, um, just completely in every, every aspect of my life, putting my health first, um, just to, to put, put my body in the best position to heal and to, to reach that goal. Cool. Um, all right. I, I thank you very much for spending an hour talking to me over Skype. Uh, I, you know, I hope you have a great new year and this is new year's Eve that we're doing this interview. So it's, yeah. I'm sure you got a lot of other more fun things to do later. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I'll, I'll let you go. Uh, thank you very much for, for coming on the show again. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with all your friends. You could do that by going over to headsandtails.org backslash podcast backslash 19 and use the link there. Or you can go over to iTunes for subscribe, of course. And then, uh, you could, you could send the link that way as well. 
Uh, if you haven't done so yet, follow us on Instagram at Heads and Tails. Also on Twitter, we we'll add a little POD onto that handle. And then also on Facebook. Hope you guys enjoy this one. And remember, ducks fly together.